<laughs> yes, you. We're so glad you found us. Welcome to Embers, a podcast by Volo. We live in a world of digital overload. We at Volo are committed to guiding teens as they seek to create real connections. Once they experience the power of human relationships and their vast capacity for love, we challenge them to go out and make the world a better place. We take teens from all walks of life on retreats. In this space, they are eager to open up and uncover what matters most. For them, it's pretty simple. Sustained, unplugged, face-to-face connection, a sense of belonging. Our podcast is a hub of inspiration for both teens and adults. Embers is a place where our teens share their stories as they navigate the waters between childhood and adulthood. We realize they've got a lot to teach us. What they hope for sounds good to us, too. Join us here as follow youth explore timely and compelling topics, fanning the embers burning in each of us. In this special episode, we sat down to have a conversation about masculinity, connection, and vulnerability with three of our male alumni. Come along. Hi, I'm Dana, and I'm the executive director of Volo, and I'm really excited to have three Volo alumni here with us today. They were in the original group and really set the tone, became the pioneers in the work that we are continuing today. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm 22 years old. I'm Ryder. I'm 23. And I'm Henry. I'm also 22. So I'm really interested in talking with you three about what it was like and what it is like to grow up as a young man in the world, specifically what it feels like to be vulnerable and navigate your emotions in today's society. So I want to start with having you think back to high school. And I'm curious about the role of vulnerability in your day-to-day life and your ability or the challenge perhaps, in expressing your emotions? I think for me, the first thing that I think about is a coach that I had in high school. And I think this experience epitomizes kind of who I was then and the way that I think I straddled being in the world of, like, sports and, like, doing things that are more traditionally masculine and also being involved with, like, music and art and having a community of people that I enjoyed hanging out with that were more into those things, too. And I had this coach who I got to know really well. And as I grew and as I became more invested in both of those things, as I like grew as a person, my capacity to be invested in those things grew. My coach was really understanding. And he was, he was really good at, at understanding that I was trying to like strike a balance in myself. And that I, for me to be healthy and to be happy, I needed both things in my life. And I think about him because he was like one of the first people to really do that. So I understand those two parts of myself. I think in high school, or I think growing up, it's pretty easy to put people in boxes, put kids in boxes based on like who they hang out with or like the kind of things they do. When in reality, I think it's kind of like the nature of who you are at that point, or at least who I was and who a lot of my friends were, were like just curious kids who wanted to be like, who wanted to touch a bunch of different things, who wanted to be involved in a bunch of different things, but didn't necessarily have the support to do so. So I think about him mostly. Yeah, to go over your point too about like kind of being put in boxes, I think it's an interesting thing to think about 
too, just in terms of the way that high school is structured socially and is structured kind of like from top to bottom, where it's like a lot of the time you do find people put in boxes and you find like large groups like put in boxes, you find boys being put in this box, girls being put in this box. And I think that like just thinking about it now is kind of a way of like simplifying your environment because there's just so much going on inside of you. You know what I mean? Where it's like in order to you like can't take it all in. Like all at once, you can't give everyone else like the complexities that you're necessarily feeling. Right. And I think that, yeah, it's like this weird, like solipsistic way of being almost where it's just like, uh, like no one else is really real except for me. And I don't know how to deal with these things. And will you say a little bit more about what you mean by complexity? Well, just that, like, I think knowing myself in high school, I felt like I was at like the epicenter of like this really strange, like confluence of contradictions, you know, where it's like, I'm this and this, I'm this and that, I'm yada, yada. And like, just being 16, 17, 18, not necessarily having the capacity to like fully understand that that was, or even the experience to understand that that's like what humans are. And that's like what life is. And that's who we all are. I think it's easy to look at other people. And I think it's easy to look at you, even like your friends, even whatever, and like not allow them the same complexities as you're allowing yourself, even though you don't even understand where your own things are, but you're just so wrapped up in trying to figure it out that you don't really have time or space to think about other people in the same way. And so it's easy to put people in boxes and it's easy to like, you like you yourself be put in a box and feel like you've been put in a box by other people. That's just like, everyone's doing it to each other and themselves. And like, yeah. Mentioning the boxes, I think to me, it feels like I had a little m- more of a unique experience, although this isn't unique to a lot of people, but to me, it felt different than a lot of my peers. So when I came out, I think I was going into my sophomore year of high school. I obviously had to be much more vulnerable than I was used to being. And I think one of the advantages to that was that it let me break the mold a little bit, at least for the mold that I had been put in or I was putting myself in and it broke some of those boxes. So I got to suddenly navigate different sides of things that I wasn't used to navigating. And from that point on, I just felt like I had this unique ability to experiment with my gender and my gender roles more so than my straight friends or my cis friends or whatever they were, just because I had done this pretty radical thing, at least for myself growing up in a small town. And it definitely got confusing. And I felt pretty isolated at times because being from a town of 8,000 people, naturally there weren't as many people that were having this experience. But I will say I felt very lucky because a lot of my straight friends, especially straight male friends, definitely from what I knew felt more trapped. And even if they were trying to toggle um, just the different facets of their lives and their identities, they weren't able to do it as openly as I was just because of the natural roles we place on masculinity and men. So I, I feel lucky in that sense, even though there were obviously hardships that come with the process, like coming out, but I definitely feel like I was because of that, I was able to be a little more vulnerable naturally. And I hope that I was able to help other people feel more comfortable being vulnerable and being in touch with their emotions because I was trying to, I kind of had to do that on a day-to-day basis more so than most of my, my guy friends. Sure. If that makes sense. That's really interesting. So I'm curious as you hear Ryder share that 
obviously curious about your responses and also as you to think about being openly vulnerable at that time. If you can put yourself back there and remember, were there times like heart racing, you remember putting yourself out there or holding yourself back. And it could be about sharing, you know, simply sharing your feelings with someone or sadness or, you know, mm-hmm. range of emotions that we all experience. Yeah, I think, I think when I think about that, I think about, like I definitely remember there was a point early on in high school where I realized that I wasn't really letting myself feel what I wanted to feel. And I remember that coincided with a point where like I started becoming interested in music and my parents started pushing me towards music. And I think, I think for a long time, the way that I dealt with how I felt about things and the way that I, I like allowed myself to be vulnerable was like by writing or like by making a song or doing something like that. And I think those moments where my heart was racing, it wasn't in those like quiet moments, but it was when like we would like play in front of people or like we'd have like a, like some sort of show or like we'd be asked to like do something musically and it might not even be my own song, but it felt weird to even like be up on stage. And I'm sure part of that was just like stage fright and like having eyes and stuff. But there's also a part that was like, deeply personal that felt weird to be sharing in a way that wasn't like on the sports field or like, you know, in the classroom where you like do whatever it's like. So that for me was those moments. And I think that the, that helped me grow into someone who could talk about those things without feeling weird, like a weird vulnerable. It helped me become someone who looked at that moment, like those moments of like heart racing as like a healthy thing. I have a question for you too. Cause the first thing I wrote down when thinking of spaces where I felt like I could be vulnerable in high school was actually sports and I was thinking of more of a physical type of vulnerability and you two were big lacrosse players which is obviously a very masculine sport Mm -hmm. and I feel like the school you went to was a little more of a lacrosse type school if you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I'm just curious if you both felt like you could be if sports allowed you to be vulnerable in any sort of way, like emotionally, if you felt like there was a, a healthy, positive bond you had with your male teammates and what that was like at all. That's what came to yeah, my mind yeah. immediately. Just in my experience, it was by the end of high school, it was what we made it, which was really cool. And so I remember being like young. I remember being a freshman. And this is true of being on the football team and a lacrosse team. But like as a younger person on either of those teams, like you, don't get treated very well for a bunch of reasons. And I remember just like feeling really, really, really terrible about participating when I was young. Cause it was just like this, like, why am I subjecting myself to this? Why am I subjecting myself to like treatment from these people? Not to like derail a little bit, but to Henry's point, just to the earlier question about like vulnerability, I think this is also true of like a larger um, point about vulnerability where it's like being vulnerable is presents itself as like the only option for really improving the way you feel about yourself and the way you feel about things. And so it's like, yeah. So as, as I grew up as like kind of, I became a senior and like all that stuff, I think I was lucky to share a lot of time and space with a lot of friends um, who are just really good people, like genuinely amazing people. And so I think the culture shifted as like a result of a bunch of people being like, we don't have to treat each other like this. And so, yeah. And would you agree that is, in a way, you were being vulnerable because you were thinking outside the box of what this kind of hazing culture had been? Sure. So 
you are putting yourself out there mm-hmm. and being different leaders. Mm-hmm. I guess it was vulnerable in a sense, but at the same time, it just felt right. It would feel silly to do the same things that had been done for a while against what we were actually. Right. And especially if it made, if it made the kids who were seen feel bad. Right. You know what I mean? Because then it served no purpose. Right. 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 Except for just like humiliating other kids. And that's not the point. When I think about like feeling vulnerable during sports, I think that there's definitely a side where it's like stiff upper lip, like especially as a leader, especially as someone who's older, where it's like you can't really like let things break. You can't like hang your head or like do whatever. And that's what I think of when I think of vulnerability on the sports field. I think I create a lot of friendships playing, which are really great and positive, but a lot of those people I don't really talk to anymore. So that was like pretty like a pretty one sided relationship or like one dimensional relationship. Uh, but I definitely remember there's there there are times where like I would cry and stuff like playing and it was just like part of it. Mm-hmm. And that was hard. It wasn't like hard for me, but there were definitely people there that like there were definitely people like teammates and stuff that felt uncomfortable with that I think. And uncomfortable with your crime? Yeah, towards the end, and it was like there were just like moments where it's like you know you care a lot about something and like whatever. What do you think the freshman thought seeing you cry? I don't know. I don't know. There's part of me that was like, I don't care if you feel weird about it, you know? Like, I'm me, and, like, you can deal with stuff the way you want to deal with it. But I think at that point, too, I had enough of that exposure in the world outside of sports and, like, in kind of, like, the creative realm or, like, in the realm that I felt more comfortable feeling like that and crying and, like, being in touch with those emotions that, like, I felt secure enough to be able to do that on the field. Well, I'm sure some of them, too, were like, oh, my God, Henry, all of us crying? That means I can maybe cry, too. I'm sure it did impact at least one person. Well, it's interesting because something I wanted to ask had to do with when you think about being openly vulnerable then, uh, were there certain people you were more vulnerable with? I'm also curious if you had role models, like people who you saw modeling different kinds of vulnerability that you remember feeling a connection to or looking up to. And then I'm also curious if there were situations where you were vulnerable and you had a regret. It's so funny. I'm just thinking about people that I looked up to in high school, like celebrities, athletes, just people that I mm-hmm. thought were very authentic, vulnerable individuals. And all of idols or people that I looked up to at that time just because I wasn't seeing what I wanted to see. Right. Yeah. I think, I think for males in my life in high school, like the people who I looked up to the most were like my closest friends, I think. Yeah. It's interesting the way that kids construct who they're supposed to be based on the thing, the types of people they see all the time outside of like their household or their friends. And if that's the messaging that males are always getting where it's like, you gotta like be like this dude who's like a quarterback who's like all American boy who like, whatever just is always leading team to x triumph or you got to be like this artist over here who like you know has his deep flaws but is like really like talented stiff upper lip kind of dude or like you know what i mean like there's just like the influences that males deal with i think all the time especially growing up aren't super conducive to like supporting them being vulnerable like there isn't a lot of support for males to be people i would say yeah, well, they're just like, caricatures, yeah, dude. Yeah, All yeah, these really, types are caricatures. Yeah, you, like, it's like it's a flattening of what being a male is, I think. It starts, like, so young, too, yeah. which is crazy to me. I remember I went to this 
ridiculous, like precious hoity toity Montessori school where we poured sand all day and like ate mud and it was really Learned fun. Learned fiddle. Learned fiddle. But we were able to just live in this little bubble and, you know, the guys, we would dress up in whatever clothes and just have a great time. And it felt really safe and gender was never something we considered, even though we were constantly learning and taking things in. And then as soon as I went to kindergarten, which was at the public school in my town, policed for expressing different parts of my gender. And I learned right away on day one, you cannot do these certain things without facing consequences. Policed by other kids? Or other kids, by yeah. Adults and stuff too. Not necessarily adults because my teachers were women at the time and who were a little more understanding. Right. I, it might've been different. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. definitely by the kids. Yeah. And I remember coming home to my mom and being like, what is going on? Yeah. This feels really scary. So you learn from such a young age, yeah. even if it's subconsciously. Yeah. I'm thinking of people listening to this, parents, parents of boys. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how that shift occurred, recognizing that there's probably some nature and some nurture involved, but if parents are listening and thinking about trying to support their boys who are necessarily growing up in this society mm-hmm. with all these people around, what do you think what, was that shift for you? I'm not sure it was like a parental thing, although my parents no, have always no. been have always been amazing with it, but like I think it's letting your kids know that it's an option to be vulnerable. This is something you can do. You know what I mean? Just like give them, let them know that it's possible, speak it to them, like actually tell them. Like this is something that they can do and then give them the space to do it. I think it's really important that fathers relay that message if they feel like they can. I know it's hard because they grew up in a very different time, very different generation. But I think we're used to hearing it more from mothers and women that it's okay to be vulnerable, which is Mm -hmm. still really important to hear. But I think it's just different coming from a father figure. Yeah, for sure. Because that takes a lot of vulnerability for them to even say that. Right. If we shift gears to today, now that you're all grown up, I'm curious uh, what pressures you feel. So you three have a really healthy way of going about all of this, and you still live in society today where these um, invisible barriers and environments exist. So I'd love you to just talk about what it feels like to be a male today. This is just something that I found interesting where it's like, I was mentioning to you that I was just like, it feels like we're far from high school, but at the same time, I feel like I'm still kind of close to that time in a weird sense where it's like, for the period that I'm in now and the period that I was in the summer after leaving high school are like very similar in a lot of ways in terms of it being like this, you're in this weird, like kind of, it's like a liminal state. yeah, it's a, yeah, you're in this really weird liminal state where it's like expectations are being readjusted futures unknown, kind of all the parameters on the way you structured your life in the last four years are like suddenly like not very well suited for where your, your next steps may lie. And so it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm having a weird time with it because like, <laughs> there's a lot of conflicting emotions going on with like working and all that. So like a lot of my emotional inquiry is right now. It's just like how I feel about work. There's still very much the breadwinner thing. And like, despite the fact that I'm not supporting a family or having, you know, I don't have like a significant other to like whatever, yada, yada. It's still like, there's still that kind of like innate feeling within myself where it's like, I need to go out and I need to make money and support myself and get out of my parents' house and like do all this stuff where it's like, where I think it's good. I think it's good stuff. Like, I think these are like natural, healthy impulses, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. 
it's kind of like being like carried away down a river a little bit. It's just like I've stepped off and now I'm just like, uh, through the rest of my life. It's weird. It's wild. Do you connect that feeling of pressure with being male? Not like necessarily. I think almost anybody would feel the same way at this point. But I think like kind of historically, there's been this thing where it's like, go start making money, go like bust your tail, trying to figure it all out, which is just something that like, I don't know, I've always, it, it feels like that's more of like a male thing in a lot of ways. I might, this might not be what you're getting at necessarily, yeah. but I think there's also this side to it where it's like, not only go and get a job, but like get the lifestyle. And in the lifestyle, especially for like being male, is like going golfing eventually, like ripping cigars and your friends at like country club or like doing whatever. And like that's that's also a product I feel like of like where I went to school, where we went to school, where like that was definitely like a thing. One of my friends who like went and got jobs were talking about getting jobs, it's like that's that's there. Like that's in their future. That's like what they fight for. It's like the nice house, the hot wife. They ever get married. Yeah, like any of that stuff. And like all of those things I would classify as masculine. Or just like a masculine way of looking at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Where it's like playtime's over. And do you feel that pressure? Oh yeah. For sure. When you were proposing the question, I was thinking about how I feel in the spectrum of masculinity. I feel great about myself and like where I am and what that means for my future. Mostly because it was I think I made some conscious choices like college and in high school that like led me to where I am now, at least in my emotional development. What kind of choices? I looked at my life from like when I started really doing organized stuff to like where I am now. Or like when my interests really like started to like blossom into like whatever. I think there's definitely this thing where I was like really involved with stuff that was like sports oriented or like doing whatever. And then eventually through high school essentially I I felt my orientation change a little bit towards doing stuff that wasn't um that wasn't related to like my like physical being, but rather like kind of like my emotional, my metaphysical being. And I think that that showed itself in college when I got there and like I had the chance to play, but I got, I made a very conscious choice to be like, I like, I'm not going to do that for like, and essentially sacrifice all these other things that are, I'm recognizing are growing inside me as like a passion interest. And I look at that and it's like that single choice, I think meant more for my life than, pretty much anything thus far. And again, I'm super happy with it. And so, is that on that, when you said there's a spectrum of masculinity, is that less, did that feel less masculine to make that choice? Yeah, I think, I think traditionally, mm-hmm. in, in traditional terms, I think that had a stuck with it, I would feel more masculine. But I think there's also a very masculine thing about making that choice and doing so confidently, like feeling good about that. That's kind of the thing about masculinity, though, right? Yeah. It's like it's a weird, like, you can talk about it in so many different ways. Yeah. A lot of the time it's, like, conflicting. Like, these things are conflicting. You know what I mean? Where it's like, is it a masculine thing to make your own decisions? Like, yes. But, like, is it a masculine thing to make that decision in a way that puts you in a less traditionally masculine role? It's just, like, such a weird, like, confusing nexus of things. Right, and is it is masculinity what someone thinks? Yeah, you are masculine. Right. You know, I'm just trying to figure out what masculinity means exactly. in 2019. Yeah, right. If there is such thing as positive masculinity, because I mean, we have this person in the White House right now who is the epitome of what 
masculinity is and what our society says masculine man looks like and he's celebrated by so many people but then on the other hand because he's so extreme in everything he does there's all of a sudden this pushback and i've noticed that people are becoming a lot more fluid or at least talking a lot more about Mm -hmm. what does it mean to be a man a cisgendered man in 2019 and honestly i i feel like i don't tap into my masculine side as much as i think about what is the opposite or the antithesis of masculinity. Like I don't look at myself and say, these things are masculine. I say, these things aren't masculine. Like it's the inverse. I just don't know like what, maybe you both have insights because I see you two as very positive, healthy, masculine people, which I still don't know how to define, but like, I just don't know what it means. Do you feel this pressure to be a certain way? I feel that because I we're all part of this all these systems, we're all part of this hegemony that's very connected mm-hmm. and impossible to escape. I feel like I'm on this river too, whether I want to be or not, where I'm just being bombarded by all of these subtle messages like you must do X, Y, and Z. Like even at school, I feel like I can I'm an individual, I can make my own choices, but I very much feel the larger systems at play telling me to do these certain things that I don't necessarily want to do, but it's like this internal decision of, okay, well, if I do want to live this certain lifestyle, like I need to buy into the system even more, even though I, my authentic self doesn't necessarily want to. And I think a lot of that comes back to masculinity because it has been men that have created all of these systems that are in place, like all of these norms. So you can't escape it. But for me, I just don't know. Going back to the first thing I said, I feel like I'm lucky because I get to kind of toggle that divide a little bit more because I'm already, my identity is radical to the system. So I'm already breaking enough norms where I can kind of do more than you two necessarily can in a way. I mean, that's changing because the binary is opening up, thank God. But still, (laughs) there's so much stuff that needs to be figured out. Well, there's an interesting thing in there about like, masculinity and feeling comfortable or like feeling authentic within yourself. I think a big part of masculinity is confidence. I think there's a, there's a lot tied to that in both ways that it's like, Oh, this dude's super confident and like does X, Y, and Z like gets what he wants. Like that's a super masculine thing. Or the inverse of that is like this person isn't confident at all. And is trying to fit into a box of masculinity and it's pushing him towards extremes. And I think that that is where we see a lot of issues right now and like culturally in America, it's like there's people going in both those directions where I feel like another definition for it is someone not looking at it in terms of those like traditional masculine criteria and instead being like, what makes me feel comfortable? Like, where am I at? Like, like I feel very comfortable in being like, I don't, I don't go for runs. I don't go to like the gym or anything like that. And like, yeah, sometimes like I feel really weak and like slow and like out of shape or whatever, but I'm also comfortable in the fact that like, that's not who I am. And I think that that's also like a, not necessarily a masculine thing, but that makes me feel good as a person. Um, Connecting in that specific connecting to like, there's an expectation of a masculine physique. Yeah. And going on runs and going to the gym would, would help you 
Yeah, I think it makes me feel confident that those choices are my own, that I'm not doing those things and not trying to fit into a box mm -hmm. of masculinity, like that criteria. And I think that suits some people. I genuinely think that like the toxic, not toxic, but like the type of masculinity that our president has, like I genuinely think that fits some people, which is great for them. Like power to you, do whatever you want to do. But like I think the grand majority of men fall somewhere in between or like outside of that. So as we think about society today and all people and we're focusing on men and boys and young men trying to navigate this landscape that's super confusing. I'm curious what advice you would give either to your younger self or to teens in high school today. Like there are a bunch of different things I could say, but it all sounds so cliche. A lot of it's just like, I don't know. It's like have conversations with the people around you about this type of thing. Talk about it with your friends, even have one conversation. Just have one conversation with your friends one time about anything that is like that you've been wanting to say or like that you feel strongly about, but haven't been able to say it or like whatever. Just like have one conversation with your friends and like that'll go places. You know what I mean? That'll start to change a culture within your own friend group or talk about something with your dad or your mom or whatever. And like, I mean, if I'm thinking about this entire conversation and like it, it all seems to boil down to this conversation about culture and like the cultures that we find ourselves in like amongst family, amongst friends, amongst like society, whatever. I think that we all understand that there's something kind of fundamentally wrong with the way we think about masculinity and like the way that males are brought up and like all that stuff. And like the only way I think you can change the culture is like having just, just starting with the conversation and that's where it sounds cliche. <laughs> 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 I think to make it even easier for some people, I just talk to one person, like mm -hmm. find one other person, preferably male, I guess, if you're both male identifying and just find that person that you can talk to these things about, even if it is at first only like once in a blue moon, but just building that trust and network in that space to feel vulnerable. And then from there, hopefully it buds a little mm -hmm. bit further and bigger but it is, it's so hard to be like, do this. Cause like I have a younger brother and I basically, I want to sit him down sometimes and be like, please just don't be a jerk. Like do X, Y, Z, because mm -hmm. you are, you are such an example for so many people. And I don't know what to say, but I want people like him and you two are in such amazing positions to just lead by example. I think that's what a lot of people need is just that like one person that they really look up to that's in their community even if they can't admit it to themselves and be like, okay, I can see part of myself in them. And I, I hope I can eventually be like that, but I don't, it's so hard giving like concrete advice. Cause it's, yeah. it's a really tough thing to navigate. And people are receptive to it in different ways. You know what I mean? Like some people like it takes a lot more to like draw it out of some people. Some people it's like mm -hmm. conversation can do it. I think I would tell my younger self more often than not, you already know what you want to be doing. You already know how you feel about certain things. Just listen to it. Like, don't fret too much about what it all means, but like trust in it. I think developing like kind of an unapologetic side or like attitude yeah. in your life is a really good thing to like start in high school. Yeah, for sure. Like start developing that a little bit and like you'll feel better 
mm-hmm. you'll feel better about the things that you decide to do or things you don't decide to do. As soon as you know it. Yeah, as soon as you know it, right? Like just to make that initial like divorce between your actions and how others perceive you, you know, to like make that initial separation is hard, but like just through time, like, I don't know. It makes you feel better about everything. Honestly. I would like to end the old school Volo asking you to think of one or two words that capture where you are in your heart. Think of this topic in this conversation. I feel pretty hopeful and excited. I'm feeling grateful, but also in progress. Yeah, I'm feeling aligned. I'm feeling enlightened and optimistic. Thanks for joining us today. If topics around masculinity and male vulnerability resonate for you, check out the pioneer work our friends at Maine Boys to Men are doing in this field. Visit them at maineboystomen.org. In addition, we're excited to share that Embers will go live on iTunes and on your other favorite listening platforms next month. Yes, October 2019. To celebrate, we're holding a podcast launch party in Yarmouth, Maine on October 23rd, and we'd love to have you there. If you're interested, you can learn more at followmain.org. Music from this episode was created by one of our many talented teens, Miles. It was a pleasure having you in our circle today. Until next time.